Today we continue on our journey in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, where last time uh, we began to embark upon the topic entitled Barriers to Our Spiritual Growth and a Plan to Fix It. One thing that most of us know about spiritual growth is we have some sense as to whether or not it's happening in our life. Some people would probably object to that idea and says, well, I really don't know whether or not if I'm growing. I submit to you that most of us know whether or not we're growing spiritually or not. I believe it is the Holy Spirit who beckons us towards growth. And we must either avail ourselves or reject that call. Simple as that. But I would like to put one challenge before you today concerning today's message. And that is to ask you the question, how have you grown in your faith? Now, I'm not talking about how you grew in your faith 10 years ago. Amen? I'm not even talking about how you grew in your faith five years ago. I want us to fast forward it just to this past week. And I want you to ask yourself the question, how have you grown in your faith this past week? To know more, again, it is not the litmus test of growth. Whether or not you have letters behind your name stating that you've attended the finest seminary or Bible colleges on this planet. That is not the litmus test to your growth. Why? Because we know that anyone can learn facts. Anyone can recite ideas. Because you have learned to pass a test, that does not mean that you are more mature in your faith. Haven't you heard of, of people who are book smart but they lack common sense. Have you ever seen people like that? In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, as you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, uh, uh, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. What ultimately determines your maturity or growth level is not the fact that you are in church or that you, again, even know more. Paul says what determines our growth level is what becomes of us after we have been tested by trials and challenges. Only then will we be able to determine what the will of God is. For the children of Israel... Their time spent in the wilderness was not wasted time, but uh, became a proving ground for them uh, that the Lord may see what was exactly in their hearts. Uh, look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, very quickly. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Here God says to his people through Moses, And you shall remember the whole way 
But the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Are you aware, brothers and sisters, men and women, boys and girls of all ages, are you aware that some of the things that you go through, that God allows you to go through these things to test your heart? Are you aware of that? That he wants to see whether or not if you will truly hold on to his hand like all that talk that you do all the time. God wants to know. You say, wait a minute, but if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, doesn't he already know this? He, yeah, he knows it. Yeah, he does. But in the midst of that, uh, he wants to know this experientially through you. And also at the same time, what happens, you know who you really are. <laughs> so let's move on. The last time we heard about two barriers to spiritual growth. Here there are, number one, the very first barrier was this. Satan takes the word from you. Remember that? Satan, the devil, that he takes the word from you. The second barrier to spiritual growth is that we may possess an inch deep faith. A faith that is not gone deep in the ground that's able to withstand the storms and the hurricanes and the cyclones and the tsunamis of life. In fact, that faith is so shallow that the slightest breeze will knock us over. First barrier was Satan takes the word from you. The second is that we possess an inch deep faith. And in both instances, we heard last time that we play a role in undermining our spiritual growth. In the first case, even though Satan takes the word, we are the ones who harden our hearts, which give him access to remove that word, which should have gone deep in us in the first place. The second, an inch deep faith, it is the absence of the depth of the word which causes us not to endure when people attack our faith. So those were the first two barriers. And here's the third one today. Barrier number three. Your mind is fixated on the world. Your mind, my mind, whose ever mind is, is fixated on the world. A couple of passages here. Mark chapter 4, verse 7 first. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Now let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Here is now Jesus explaining what it means. Mark 4, verse 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in 
and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Well, if your heart is in this condition, then the trappings of the world prevents you from allowing the word to come in and to have its full effect in your life. Jesus says uh, there are concerns we encounter, uh, which does what? Uh, Jesus says that it chokes the word. Again, it is not that the cares of the world or the deep desire for riches can actually neutralize the word, per se. So it's not that uh, you are involved in all these things. Uh, when uh, I was in uh, Denver this past summertime, I met a gentleman who was staunchly Christian. Staunch, you hear what I mean? I mean, he is such a strong Christian. But at the same time, he was the CEO of one of the biggest corporations in America. And I said to myself, because you know, sometimes you would wonder, uh, once you make it to that level, will you begin to shed off all the things that you believe about Jesus Christ, or you begin to become very liberal in your understanding and in your practice of Scripture? He was staunchly a Christian, would not be moved off of the word of God. So it is not so that the riches of the world can actually neutralize God's word. Simply not true. Specifically, Jesus says that the cares of the world, the deceitfulness, you see the word that Jesus uses, he says the deceitfulness of what? The deceitfulness. In other words, all the stuff that you want to do. I've told you time and time again uh, that you, once you make it, you will realize that uh, you have been trying to attain all your life nothing but a straw man. Some of you that have heard this story, bear with me. Others that have not, this is new to you. Uh, but as you know, the bottom line, uh, if you've been backstage and interact with these folks, you will see how spiritually it is decrepit. That all that you see, the glitz and the glamours of all these stars, uh, that is nothing but a tin man with no heart. You will discover this. So the moment we embrace the things of this world uh, to the maximum, they begin to choke out the world, uh, the, the word. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, when we think of someone that is choking, uh, we know, for instance, they're having some kind of problem breathing. And if you have asthma, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if you've ever had an attack, uh, to the point that you can't uh, breathe, you know that you are, are, are grabbing for anything and everything you can. It's like someone has, has taken your head and has uh, uh, plunged it underneath the water. And there's no hope of getting out. Uh, you are being gradually deprived of that life-giving uh, gaseous substance which will allow you to live and which we always take for, it, uh, for granted. The seriousness of that condition prevents a person from taking in enough air to survive that it can be deadly. 
Or you may have been one of those people or have seen one of the people who have uh, had something lodged in their throat. And that passageway has become clogged and you can't breathe and, and you just want to get it out and, and there's nothing you can do and you're just hoping that somehow it can get out. You see, choking prevents normal functioning from occurring, resulting in a stoppage of growth or development. Surely, uh, have you ever seen a plant uh, that is in the process of being choked by weeds? Have you ever seen that before? Somehow those weeds, they twist and they wind their way around the neck of that host plant. In fact, I've seen these little winding weeds uh, as I used to protect our, our, our garden, and uh, near our garden was a tree, and sometimes there would be weeds growing near that tree. And this one weed, I'm not sure what it was, that it began to grow, and it would grow up a certain place to the tree, and then it's like it had a little finger, and then it would start pointing towards my garden. It was. It's like a little thing, whatever it was, and it would like point to the garden that way. And if I ignored the garden for a few days or even a week, what I would discover eventually uh, that little weed would attach itself around the little fence I had around the garden. And then, and then it would begin to branch off again and then it would start uh, pointing another little finger towards my plants. And then they began to wrap and wrap themselves around. You see, what the weeds want to do, uh, what they want to do, the thorns of life, uh, they really want to take over totally. They don't want just a little bit, they want it all. So when Jesus tells us the cares of the world, it chokes the word, he means it is actively in operation to stop your growth. Jesus says that the cares of this world want to take their digits and, and want to grab you around the throat like this so that you can't breathe. And so uh, what will not happen in your life is spiritual growth. Here you, in this case, when we compare this to the others, those seed that had fell among on the path and those uh, that had fallen amongst the rocks, here, we have managed to stave off the hardness of the heart. We have managed to grow to a degree because the opponents of God's word did not phase you one bit. Those folks who, who talked about you and your faith and, and how you go to church, uh, that doesn't phase you. You, you. you made it through, uh, so the first two barriers are not your issue. In fact, you even look real good as you stay awake in church. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what it is. I've been there. I've been so tired in church when I look at the preacher that all of a sudden my eyes start doing one of these things like that that I can't even see. But it used to be bad for me because I used to sit and always sat in the front row. So when my eyes started to do that, I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Keep me together. So when you are together and your eyes are going crazy, uh, like they're on a strobe or something like that, uh, you look good on the outside, amen? 
Social media or video games don't distract you because you're too discerning and too spiritually smart for that. But there are other things that prevent you, and here's the word that Jesus used this time, from bearing fruits. From bearing fruits. Your mind does not fall prey to the other issues like Satan stilling the word or the shallowness of the word. Your concern is that you are plagued with the clutter of concerns and worries or the lure Money, well, you know that plan, uh, how are you going to get rich quick? Now, you are, however, uh, closer to allowing God's word to accomplish its goal more than any other situation so far. Remember, in the first situation, the plant never even grew. In the second situation, the plant grew up and then it quickly just diminished. But in this case, now the plant has grown. It looks good. You little tree, you little plant, you look good. Then what's the issue? If you're full grown, then you're okay. But remember, just because you're full grown doesn't mean that you're walking in the spirit. Amen? The difference between the seed in this state versus the other two is as follows. In the other two instances, the seed didn't have a chance to either, either to grow or to take root. We, see, we saw that. In this case, the seed of God's word, uh, that it did take root, amen, and that the scorching of the sun did not prevent it from attaining a certain height. But the problem is, is that it did not bear fruit. Jesus says that it was unfruitful. You see, God wants more uh, of us other than simply coming to church. Amen? Yes, he does. If you're still cursing today uh, like you used to curse 10 years ago, then my question is, how is God bearing fruits with your mouth? Because the word says, in Ephesians chapter 4, let no unfruitful thing, no unworthy thing proceed out of your mouth. Amen? Come on now, amen. Uh, if that's you that say, Lord, help me with my mouth. And for 2016, maybe God will allow that fruit to grow in your mouth. Uh, so the things that proceed out of your mouth are those things that will give God praise, honor, and glory. Amen? So if you were to see a full-grown apple tree, right, if you know it's an apple tree, and year after year after year after year after year after year, it never gave you apples, what would you say to yourself? It's like, why do I even have this thing in my yard in the first place? Right? It's supposed to be an apple tree. So when you see an apple tree, you expect one day that what's going to come off of it? And if apples are not coming off the apple tree, what are you going to say? You're going to say to yourself, obviously there's something what? 
wrong. So if you are a Christian, if you're growing up, and if you're present in all the Christian places, but you're not bearing fruit, then our response should be that if you're not bearing fruit, then there is something There's something wrong somewhere. So in this case, it is the fact that the cares and the concerns of the world are just choking all those things out. How can God's word do what it's supposed to do if it can't even get through because of the things that are on your mind? It kind of parallels the hardness of the heart, uh, the fact that the, uh, the seed can't even penetrate. But in this case, you have grown up. At one time, you did display all the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the lookings as if you were a Christian, uh, but yet in this case, there is no fruit. Being focused on the world presents hardness of hearts of sorts. The heart becomes indifferent to the word of God because it is engrossed with other matters. So, the anxiety and worry we experience are the very things which cause our hearts to veer off track. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Luke 12, verse 22. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. clothing. Look at verse 25. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Why are you so worried? Why are you so worried? Are you really trusting in God? Uh, the passage continues from there, but Jesus makes the point all the same. There are no challenges in life of which should be greater than the relationship and the guidance that you get from God. There are no challenges. How many challenges did I say? No, none in life which should be greater than the relationship and the guidance that we all can get from God. But you say, uh, that's easy for you to say, you haven't been where I've been, right? Yeah, I haven't been where you've been. I've been where I've been. I've been in those dark places. I've been in those places that you didn't know whether or not if you would see, and by see I mean live to the next second. I've been there. I've been there when you have all the pressure on you. And you just wonder sometimes, is it all worth it? You wonder, did I really give my life for this all for naught? The fact remains is that God is true. If you find there are more things to complain about than celebrate, the word of God might be in the process of being choked in your life. If you find you can never concentrate on God's word when you read through the word, or then it might be choked by those kids of yours who are into all types 
of things. Remember mom and dad, that those kids, as much as you bring them up and teach them and, and you want them to learn right and be good citizens and, and be followers of Jesus Christ, remember they have their own mind. So if you get all mixed up, all engaged in all their mess, even the mess of the little bitty ones, amen? Because those little itty bitty ones will drive you crazy. Amen? They will drive you nuts, you know? Come up, they got to go to the die. I used to feel so sorry uh, for my mother and father. I did. I used to feel so sorry for them. Because, you know, as my mother used to say all the time, if it ain't one thing, it's another. She said that all the time. And then she looks up, and then I remember when I had, uh, Elder Davis had, had, you know, came up, they discovered I had asthma. So they were going to take me to the Fantas Clinic in Cook County. You know, every two weeks I had to be there. And I know the pressures that sometimes she had to take me and my father had to pick me up and I didn't want to go because every time I went, I got car sick. Then after all that, one time I, I broke my hand and next time they said I needed glasses and no, I don't wear contacts. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I can see. I used to always say to doctors, it's wrong. Just one thing after another. Then you're concerned about their grades. And it seems like it just makes it to the point that, you know, I don't have time to focus on the Lord. So in other words, we end up saying, I don't have time to grow. We must make time for ourselves because one day, little pretty Johnny, and pretty uh, whoever your daughter may be, that one day they're going to leave. And if you have not shown significant growth in your spiritual life, where would that leave you? <laughs> if it seems that the Lord is never teaching you anything new, then the word is being choked. I learn something new from the word of God practically every single day. Every time I crack open these sacred scriptures, I learn something brand new. I learn. Every single day. So if you tell me that, you know, I don't learn anything new, I never hear anything new, then I tell you there's something wrong with your spiritual growth. If it feels like you never have any deliverance in your life, then the word of God might be choked off. Your struggle for spiritual growth in the church, guess what? It's not even connected with me. Did you know that? I'm like, Lord, thank you. Your spiritual growth has nothing to do with me. Uh, do I need to say that again? I'm going to say it again anyway. Your spiritual growth has nothing to do with me. Because remember when we started uh, the message from last week, we discovered that God's word has a guarantee that it will accomplish everything that it sets forth to do. So if God's seed is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword uh, discerning to the division, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, uh, even and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the hearts, Hebrews 4.12, if this is all true, why aren't you growing? Why aren't you growing? It's not because of me. Well, it's because, well, it's because of what Jesus says. 
But in all your getting and in all your knowledge, you continue to fall short, and you can't figure out why. Some people have resorted to the statement of saying, and the Lord knows I've heard this, I've, I've heard this probably in every single, and no, I have not been the senior pastor, so you can't blame me, but I have heard this probably in every single church I have been in. And then here it is. I'm just not growing anymore. I've heard that in every single church. I'm not growing. I've also heard the stuff, well, you know, that message didn't do anything for me. Oh, so in other words, what you're telling me is that God didn't do anything for you today. My question to those with that line of thinking is this. Have you ever considered that the reason why you're struggling in your growth is because of the cares of the world? In fact, any one of these situations could be the very reason why you are not growing personally in or out of the church. We hear people saying that they're not growing, but scripture is clear. If you're not growing, it's because of something in your life. Amen? It's because of something in your life or something in my life that's blocking you from growing. God guarantees that his word will grow. He guarantees it. Unless you say, well, God's word doesn't grow because I'm not growing. Well, either you're blocking or you're saying that God is a liar. Which one is it? Which one? But also know that the situations in your personal life continue to press you to the point of just preventing growth. Don't allow your spouse, amen, there it is, there it is, oops, there it is. Don't allow your spouse, if you are the husband, don't allow your wife. If you're the wife, don't allow your husband. Let's say that again. If you're the husband, don't allow your wife. If you're the wife, don't allow your husband. Nor your children. Your job, your school, or any other matters to stop you from producing fruit unto the Lord. Next. It's certainly not a barrier, but it is the result of all things working together as God designed them. And this is how God designed it. Here's the next one. It is not a barrier. God expects a life of fruitfulness. Mark chapter 4, verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60 and 100-fold. Verse 20. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and what? Bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, a hundredfold. All right, let's read that again, verse 20. As a matter of fact, this is good enough for all of us to read out loud together. Let's read this together. Verse 20, Mark chapter 4. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. 
So there it is. You hear the word, you accept it, and you bear fruit. Uh, for some people, they hear the word, but uh, the, their next point of contention is that they don't accept it. They don't accept the word of, of God. Right? For some people, they hear the word of God, they accept it as the word of God to be true, and yes, it's going to do something in my life, but yet, they falter in the last one, and they don't do anything about it. So you can hear the word, right? And you still have a problem. You can hear the word, you can accept the word, and you can still have a problem. You can hear the word, accept the word, but then if you don't bear fruit, there's still a problem. God's word is meant to grow and produce fruit. Again, how many of us expect seed not to produce a plant or its fruits? In our passage, note that the word other occurs over and over again. Here in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, we see the word other specifically relating to the seed. And it's not that it's a different type of seed. It's all the same seed and all meant to be active and living. The issue is always... What type of soil are we? So one of the ways to become good soil is to make sure you are not bad soil. We have already done the work of looking at the soils that cause a lack of spiritual productivity. But listen to what Jesus says in John 15. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches Whoever abides in me and I in him or her, he it is that what? Bears much fruit. But then he goes on and he says what? For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you want to get out of this unproductive, un fruitful mold, then the thing that we all must do, uh, that we all must do what? Abide in, uh, we, uh, let's try it again. If we want to get out of this mold of unfruitfulness or unproductiveness, then we must abide in G Jesus. When we think of fruitfulness, there is a sense that many people produce all types of fruit in their life. So Jesus says that there is an abundance of fruitfulness to those who are receptive to his word. So what does that fruit look like? You know what it looks like. Come on, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Here's the fruit. Here is some of the fruit. Amen? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... Here it is. These are, these are the fruit that should be hanging off of our lives. Amen? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Come on. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those, he says in verse 24, who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Okay? Imagine yourself 
You are a tree of faithfulness unto the Lord. Do you have gentleness? Do you have faithfulness or kindness? Is there self-control on your tree? We just read that. What's missing? You see, the Lord is saying that uh, in the fruitfulness of your, your, your life, you need to just have one big giant lump of love. He's not saying that uh, you need to just have one big giant lump of peace. He's saying that the fruit of your uh, the fruit of the Spirit in your life is a multiplicity of things. You are not just uh, a tree that produces one type of fruit in the Spirit. In the Spirit, you produce multiple fruit. Look at the list. Okay, look at it. If you had to pick one, which one is your biggest problem? I don't want to know. But it is that one thing that I believe the Spirit of God wants to bring under the blood of Jesus Christ because he wants you and I to produce more of that fruit or that fruit in your life. So by receiving the word of God in the good soil of your soul, the results are clear. That it produces the, uh, the very things that we try to attain, right? Morally to say, uh, especially tell our kids, you need to be this, you need to be that. Well, it's impossible for them to be this or to that without the help of the Spirit. Yeah, they can do it in their flesh for a while, but soon they will falter. Soon they will fall unless they are operating through the Spirit of God. These are all areas where the Lord has an expectation that we must grow. Now the idea again is not to say that uh, you need to become this just so you can become a better moral person. No, it has nothing to do with that. He wants to make us more like him. So, finally, how do we produce fruitfulness that is pleasing to God? We hear the word and we accept it. This again, this is a jab back to the scribes all going all the way back to Mark chapter 3 verse 22 who are not listening to Jesus Christ. So we hear the word and we accept the word. In our ever increasing world we observe many people trying to become more spiritual but not many trying to ensure they have the fruit produced by God's word. Why? No one wants to subject themselves to the scrutiny of God's word or God's people. Well, what will happen? When accountability arises, people run. They run for the exits because they don't like the accountability. So for people insisting that they are not growing spiritually, then here's a test for all of us. Are we not growing because our hearts are hardened because Satan has taken the word from us? Are we not growing because we have no spiritual endurance? Or are we not growing because we are more concerned about what's going on in the world than what's going on in our heart? These are all legitimate questions to ask anyone who tells you or me, I'm not growing. Next time it happens, you turn to Mark chapter 4. I say, okay, well, let's find out the reasons why you're not growing. 
and we list them. And then introduce them to someone who is producing spiritual fruit in their life because they not only listen to God's word, but they accept God's word and they obey God's word. Let's pray.